my name is Ola Woods, and I'm going to tell y'all a spooky ghost story, something that happened to me years ago on Auburn Avenue. Um, I was on my way to the curb market. I wanted to buy some collard greens and some pork. And so I was kind of excited about that. And I was on Auburn Avenue, and I was on one side of the sidewalk, on the sidewalk to get the crossover side, because I was getting closer to the curb market on uh, Edgewood. And so as I was put my foot down on the street, it's like something changed. The atmosphere just changed. And um, it got really quiet. It got real, like, silence quiet. And at first I heard, like, footsteps. Felt like they were walking. I looked. I didn't see anybody. But then I noticed it was, like, marching. It was marching. And I felt like uh, a cool breeze hit my face. And I'm saying to myself, what is going on? And I crossed over. As I crossed, put my footstep on the sidewalk once I crossed the street, it's like everything resumed to normal. I had never experienced something like that. I came to Edgewood, but I don't even know if I got my food. I was so shook up. I was, like, shocked. Admit it, you've had moments. The dark room with the black corners, the long backyard where something is moving in the shadows, the cold spot on a hot day. Of course, it's only your imagination. Spirits exist in storybooks and fairy tales, right? I'm Mark Davis. Welcome to the second episode of Spooked, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new podcast. I'm here at the Sweet Auburn Curb Market with Ola Woods. You just heard from her. She's one of the folks who got in touch with us after our first episode to share stories of things they saw or heard or felt, but couldn't quite explain. If you have a spooky story to share, we want to hear it. Stay tuned for details on how we can get in touch. For now, here's the rest of Ola's story. area in that street that's kind of spooky I don't know but I've never heard people even talk about Auburn Avenue being spooky or haunted but I I have my spooky moment have you wondered why it happened to you and nobody else I wondered that yes I have I wondered that why it happened to me like I said I've never heard anyone ever say Auburn Avenue was haunted like why me why that day? My mind wasn't even on it. I'm like trying to get to the curb market to get collard greens. And you know something happened and it's so scary, so spooky that it took me a minute to even tell anybody because I had never experienced anything like that before. It took Jessica Hannon more than a minute to work up the nerve to talk about growing up in what she calls the hell house. Her family's home at the beach seemed like a great place for the fun vacations until they realized they weren't alone. I grew up in a house from hell, or that's what I call it anyway. When I was about seven, my godmother moved to Myrtle Beach. Well, just outside in Myrtle's Inlet, Garden City, that area. 
And she got in this brand new townhome that had an elevator in the 1980s. Everything was amazing. Until we realized the house was haunted. Big time, too. There were three ghosts. We know at least two of them were pirates. And we're pretty sure the third was probably a woman that knew the pirates or whatever because she was the controlling factor. When I was around probably eight or nine, you could sit on my godmother's bed and hear the pirates talk. And they weren't just talking to each other, they were talking about us as well. If that's not freaky, I would hear them, blah, 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 blah. And I guess I was around a year later that they set the elevator on fire. Well, they set the bottom on fire, but first they stopped it between floors. So my godmother was in there, in between floors, it was on fire, she couldn't get out, it was filling up with smoke, (laughs) and she got out by climbing between. There was no physical way that she should have been able to get out. That's according to the fire department and the elevator guy. But it turns out she did. And so she got out. And while she was out there, she could hear them say and hear them talking. And the woman told one of the pirates whose name I'm so not going to say because I do not need anyone following me around. It's been like 15 years since they went away. I don't want them to come back. But she could hear them. She could hear the woman say, that's enough. Let her out. Freaky. So that was only one time. Um, there are other instances where, you know, the the motorboat from two or three doors down straight across because it was a townhome complex. The motor came on when the keys were not in the ignition and nearly sliced off a guy's... Um, Personal property, we'll say. That doesn't count the lightning strikes. The house was hit four times in about eight years. Um, That doesn't count the missing pictures or the missing statues of St. Anthony that went missing. After that, we don't really know what happened from the Hell House. That she thought she was moving into this nice little community that was brand new. And she was the first one to move in turns out it really kind of was the house from hell Bob Anstein was in London when he ran into someone or is that something that he didn't anticipate in this story the living chases the dead or chases something my first potential encounter with a ghost happened back in the early 1980s. I was working in Marietta and had just taken a job in London to run a company that um, was a healthcare company in the Middle East. Um, My boss, it was a Sunday night, and my boss uh, asked me if I could come to dinner with him, and he would orient me to what I was going to be doing. And uh, at the end of dinner, I took the tube station, uh, took the uh, tube back to where I was staying, and um, it, uh, the tube station 
emptied out at Harrods department store. I went up the stairway and uh, came out, noticed that Harrods was brightly lit and uh, outlined in beautiful uh, light bulbs and uh, all of the windows were open and I had to sort of go slowly past the windows so that I could see what was going on in the windows. Then when I got to the end of the store, all of the lights went out. I looked to my left and coming out of the street was a man dressed as a beef eater. Complete regalia, hat, coat, shoes, um, a staff in his hand, and he turned and walked in front of me down Brompton Road. I was so startled, I, I decided I had to follow him to see where he was going and if he was real or if he wasn't real. And um, we walked down Brompton Road. I decided I needed to really get a better look at his face, so I speeded up a little bit. And as I speeded up, he speeded up. I slowed back down, and as I slowed down, he slowed down. So it was impossible for me to actually catch up with him. We walked about two blocks down the street, me trying to get a, a better look, he apparently not uh, recognizing that I was even there, and he turned down a very, very dark street at the intersection. And to my observation just absolutely vanished into the darkness. Back here at home, David Moore spends his days in the City of the Dead, Atlanta's historic Oakland Cemetery. It's a favorite spot for residents and visitors alike. The underground residents include Margaret Mitchell, author of Gone with the Wind, golfing great Bobby Jones, and a number of mayors, including Maynard Jackson and Ivan Allen. Then there's the Gray family. A photographer once set up his equipment to take photos near their mausoleum, and he managed to capture something no one could see. I'm David Moore. I'm the executive director for the historic Oakland Cemetery Foundation. And Oakland Cemetery is located in East Atlanta, 48 acres of Atlanta history, Atlanta's first cemetery. And um, I belong to the and work for the foundation that raises the money to preserve, restore, enhance, and share this irreplaceable Atlanta landmark. Uh, when I first started here about 10 years ago, I was here on the, at the cemetery uh, on a Saturday morning to take a tour, and I noticed that there was a photographer here, an independent photographer, taking pictures of a young woman, uh, a model, who was building uh, an array of pictures for her portfolio. And she was dressed in a beautiful wedding dress and standing in front of one of our mausoleums. It's, uh, the mausoleum is called the Gray Mausoleum, named for the Gray family here in Atlanta. Beautiful little structure that's located behind us here at the Bell Tower Mill building in the center of the cemetery. And uh, they were taking photographs. And I came back and saw them later and the photographer was on the porch with the model and they were looking at the photographs that he had taken and he remarked uh, that none of them were usable. Every one contained a smoggy, smoky, cloudy, um, misty looking aura behind the model's head. And he said, there's nothing wrong with my 
uh, camera. There's nothing wrong with the processing. Uh, there's no, obviously no cloud in the sky, no smoke in the air, no fog in the air. I don't know what it is, but I can't use these photographs. And that was also to her great dismay. Now, uh, I'm not sure what it was either. I do not believe or disbelieve in spirits, but I can only imagine that the, that the uh, spirits of the Gray family were very curious that morning as to what that model was doing outside of their front doorstep and what the photographer was doing taking those pictures. So they are, I think, I think they are immortalized in every single one of those unusable photographs uh, taken here at Oakland Cemetery. Ann Hall has a family story to tell, too, about a big house where two of her great aunts lived. After they died, though, it seems they didn't actually leave. The two sisters, a nurse named Flora and a schoolteacher named Mary, lived together in Selma, Alabama, a large Victorian home. Nurse Flora and Miss Mary were very particular about things, and it seems they were determined to keep house as they saw fit, even after they'd passed away. I'd like to tell the story of my two great aunts, my grandfather's sisters, and they lived in Selma, Alabama, and grew up in a large Victorian home that their parents had built around the turn of the century. Mary was the older sister, and she was a school teacher and wrote children's books. Flora. The younger sister was a dedicated nurse who loved her profession and helping people. But unfortunately, Flora's profession in nursing was cut short because she had some serious mental issues of parano paranoia and schizophrenia, beginning in her youth and lasted throughout her life. Uh, these mental imbalances became so severe she eventually had to be forcefully removed from her beloved home and placed in the state mental hospital in Tuscaloosa, where she lived until her death in 1963. Her sister Mary had died a couple of years before Flora, and as uh, neither of them had ever married, my father was appointed trustee of the estate, and he sold their house to a family acquaintance, the Chamberlains. Soon after the Chamberlains moved in, they began telling us of strange things happening in their old Victorian home. They said that the lights would go on and off at odd hours, and they would lock the doors at night, wake up in the morning, and the doors would be wide open. And they also said they had a dog, which they left to sleep in the downstairs pantry, and the next morning he would be found outside. And that was kind of funny, because I remember that Miss Mary was not fond of pets in her home. She, I remember her saying that, you know, she didn't want to have to clean up behind them and she didn't want dog hair all over her mama's settee. And so uh, that just kind of struck home. Plus, I can remember my daddy saying he would run into Mr. Chamberlain on the street and he would say, well, Miss Mary's left the dog out again. So uh, we would hear these tales from, from the Chamberlains and some of the other weird things that they would find. They said they started finding ladies either hairpins or hat pins from a past era 
They would find these things throughout the house on the mantel over the fireplace, but they were the decorative hairpins that were, you know, going either ladies when they put their hair up or wore the big hats or something, and they would have no idea where they would come from. But the, one of the strangest things, they, the stories they told us was uh, right soon after they moved in, relatives came to visit for the first time, and these people had a young son about five years old, and they put him to bed that night, and then later on they peeped in to check on him, and they found that he had been tucked in with a quilt that had been stored in the top of a closet. And the next morning, they asked the young boy how he had gotten the quilt down from the top of the closet. And he said, I didn't get it down. The nurse with the long blonde hair gave it to me. The boy was sleeping in the front bedroom over the porch, which was Nurse Flora's old room. So I guess even after life, she was still trying to help people. As a follow-up to this story, I went back to my hometown a couple of years ago, and the big Victorian house had burned to the ground. So I guess now Mary and Flora have gone on to the next level of existence. This is Mark Davis. You've been listening to Spooked, a new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We want to hear your ghost story, too. Email me at mrdavis at ajc.com. We'll be in touch. For now, here's a final story. Martha Jo Katz and her husband took a vacation out to San Diego a few years ago. They stayed in a nice room overlooking the ocean. But who shared the room with them? The hotel they chose was the site of a mysterious death over a century ago. All these years later, a young woman named Kate Morgan apparently has never checked out. My grandmother was born on Halloween Day in 1888, the same year that the Hotel Del Coronato was built. Jerry and I decided, my husband and I, decided to go on a trip to San Diego and stay at this famous hotel that was built then. When we got there, we checked in, and they gave us this beautiful room. We had come a long way, and we couldn't wait to... The hotel is very famous. You can look it up on the Internet and see the pictures of it. It was just really wonderful. We unpacked our things, and we decided to take a walk, and we um, came back. We spent the night that night in that room, and my husband had put his briefcase up on the desk. The next morning when we woke up, it was on the floor. And I said, hey, Jared, did, did you put your briefcase on the floor? And he said, no. And I said, how, how did it get there? It was standing straight up. It was not like it had fallen over and laid down on the floor. And he said, I don't know, that's so weird. <clears throat> so we decided to go um, out to the ocean, take a walk, and we took the umbrella because it was, it was misty, it was raining. And we had such a nice day. It's a beautiful area. And when we came back, we put the umbrella on the desk and it had stopped raining by then, so the umbrella was dry. And we um, went out for a little while. When we came back, there was no umbrella. And I said, oh no, where's the umbrella? And I said, did we leave it on the trolley or did we leave it in, drop it in the hallway? So we went to look could not find that umbrella anywhere. So we come back to the room 
And lo and behold, there was the umbrella on the desk, just exactly where I had put it. And I said, this is just really strange. So we did a little investigating, and we saw in the lobby there was a ghost in the hotel that it was real famous that some people heard noises, some people heard um, wind, some people saw the drapes move, and some people had things that moved in their room. And that there was a lady named Kate Morgan who had been there in 1892 for about a four or five day visit. The story goes that she checked in under a different name and she was either supposed to meet a lover there, that she had been married and had been on a train ride with her husband and that she had told him that she was leaving him and that she came to meet the lover and the lover never showed up and then she committed suicide on a corridor going out to the beach and they found her body there. Well, the story is rather interesting because some people say the husband came, he was mad and he shot her. Some people say um, she was pregnant. Some people say she didn't have a lover. So. Nobody really knows what happens, but it is interesting that so many people have experienced this ghost. And we were not afraid. We read the story. I then researched it when I got home again. And it was a it was rather wonderful experience. And I now I'm a believer. I believe that there are ghosts that you um if you just look around or see something unusual, I don't think it's something to be afraid about. But we really do think that we had a really nice visit with with Kate and she liked us and she wanted all the photographs that we saw. She was carrying an umbrella. I said, oh my goodness, she loved my umbrella. She wanted to carry it. So there you go. We are believers. There are ghosts. Spooked was reported by Mark Davis and Jennifer Brett. Production by Steve McCoy. Until next time.